Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for a Big Time Talker podcast. I'm Burke Allen, out of the studio today and broadcasting from New York City in the heart of Times Square with all the hustle and bustle that that brings. The Big Time Talker podcast is brought to you by SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a speaker or maybe you're a meeting planner, check out SpeakerMatch.com. Richard Battle is our guest today. His new book is Made in America by Americans, not Americans. And as we record the podcast, it is Martin Luther King Day. And, uh, you know, being right in the, the heart of Times Square, uh, the international crossroads, people come from everywhere. Uh, it, it made me think, Richard, about Dr. King's legacy. And there was a very interesting article that I read this morning Um and the, the long and the short of it is that Dr. King is much more revered now than he was during his lifetime. If you look back at historical polling data from the Gallup organization and others, was not uh, necessarily revered in his lifetime. Is that because as we have a historical look back, we have a different perspective on him? And, and do you remember that being the case back in your early days? Well, yes, Burke, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you again. And yes, I think the, the, the great thing is, is we're able to look at Dr. King's entire life and take it in perspective, the good and the bad, uh, whatever's found, and judge him accordingly. Too often now, we give accolades to people who are still active and living. And we have a case locally right now where a lady had a building named after her, and now she's accused of all kinds of criminal activity, and people are wondering if they should have done that. Uh, but right. Mark, Martin Luther King, like all of us, was an imperfect man, but he stirred things up, which is why he had friction. People did not want him to change things from the way they were. And he was looking to get civil rights for the African-American community. He was very much an American because he was trying to improve American life for so many millions of people versus an American who only complained about things. He was trying to positively influence people and inspire people to be more than they had been or thought they could be. Our guest is author, award-winning author, Richard Battle, his latest book, Made in America by Americans, not Americans, as we broadcast live from Times Square in Manhattan, New York City, on this Martin Luther King Day. That's when we're recording. Uh, the show is posted every Tuesday and available on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, iHeartMedia, everywhere podcasts are consumed. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend and subscribe as well. Richard, do you remember... Um, where you were when Dr. King was assassinated and, and what the mood of the country is. I'm sure you were a young kid, but, but I'm sure that that's also one of those things that sticks out in your mind. Well, 68 was a very volatile year. Uh, I was a teenager and I do remember where I was. I was at my parents' home when I heard about that. And it was actually, I believe in early April when it happened and just two months later, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. So there was a lot of turmoil going on in the country uh, that year, similar to what we saw in 2020. And it created a lot of anxiety amongst the population because of protests uh, going on around the country. Dr. King's were nonviolent, but there were plenty of violent protests going on. And of course, the Vietnam War was escalating, creating a lot of anxiety as well. 
as a young guy during that era with all that happening, including the Vietnam War, you had to, to sign up for the draft. What was it like being a teenager in America in the late 60s? Well, I think I was probably blessed from the standpoint of having a good, stable family who had endured depression, World War One, World War Two, the the pandemic of 1917 through 20. Uh, they had endured and been able to overcome things. And so their calm lessons and example basically enabled me to be able to handle things in a way expecting to be able to overcome different things and still prosper. Our guest is Richard Battle. His latest book is Made in America by Americans, not Americans. We're broadcasting live from the lobby of the beautiful Gallivant Hotel in Times Square, New York City today as we uh, record the podcast on this Martin Luther King Day holiday. Um, that example that you talked about of, of what your parents have gone through, what your grandparents have gone through, the tough times, how much did that inform your writing of this new book? Well, I think that and my life experiences and my love and study of history has taught me that Americans for our whole history have overcome things that are much more difficult than we face today. We think we're facing such tough times, but when we look at history all the way from the pilgrims forward, Jamestown forward, what people went through in the revolutionary war, the civil war, every time periods had challenging times. And until recently when the government tried to become the nanny state, Basically, it was left up to individuals, their families, their churches, their neighborhoods to band together and overcome whatever the challenges were. And I look at things such as just the pioneers that took the wagon trains from St. Joe, Missouri West. And once they left St. Joe, they were on their own. There was no expectation of help from anybody. They had to get their own food, water, had to fight the bandits, the Indians, overcome the weather, everything they had to overcome to accomplish their goal. And that's the way Americans have historically lived. Would you classify um, someone like John Glenn, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, would you classify those guys as Americans? And I'm thinking about that era, the 1960s. Well, absolutely. And in Made in America by Americans, not Americans, I have one essay about our, our real heroes are our everyday Americans who go out and do their jobs. Everyone who does a legitimate legal job contributes to building the prosperity in this country. And raising their children builds future generations of Americans and leaders. And we stand on the shoulders of those people. And their example is what we live by. And it's our responsibility to broaden our shoulders and toughen up and live through these times to be good examples for our children and grandchildren. You know that you make a great point there. I'm, I'm thinking about famous Americans. I'm thinking about astronauts. Uh, we talked about Martin Luther King on this Martin Luther King Day holiday as we record the podcast here in Times Square. But it really is everyday Americans, hardworking Americans are the bedrock of this country, and they don't get nearly enough recognition. Not at all. And think we think about Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and Theodore Roosevelt and others. Well, what about their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who we don't know, but it was their lives and what they taught them and the examples of that 
that set them and made them ready to be the person who they were that gave a disproportionate influence on our lives. Richard, your books, uh, and, and we know many of them, generally have a very positive uh, theme. You wrote a book called Unwelcome Opportunity, and now you can sort of turn those things around, Conquering Life's Course. Um, you did one called Navigating Life's Journey. So these are books that are filled with inspiration, but this new book, Made in America by Americans, not Americans, it's a little bit different. Well, yes, and the genesis of it was in 2020 when we had the presidential election. We had people protesting in the streets. We had the Americans out basically ripping statues down and trying to defame our historical heroes who may have been great people but had one transgression. And so I want to call people to remember those situations and motivate and inspire people that despite those things going on, each of us has the opportunity to pursue and achieve our dreams and to give better lives to our children and grandchildren and those we influence. So to become a great American, you make an interesting point. I think about someone who, and listen, we all have flaws, right? I'm not, I'm not yes. casting aspersions, but you look at someone like uh, John Wayne, who, when I was a kid, was revered in this country. He was the American ideal. And, and you know, as, as the curtain gets pulled back a little bit by the Wizard of Oz there, you see that, that the Duke had, uh, he had some flaws like everybody else. What do you do with someone like that who has, how would I say it, a complicated legacy? Are they Americans? Well, yes. And I think that's a, a great example. I love John Wayne also, uh, but none of us are perfect. And I think we have to take the things that are good and use those and forgive those people for their transgressions, especially some of them are only transgressions in light today versus the time period previously. And it was interesting uh, years ago when I was talking to my late father, and I said there was only one perfect man. And they said yes, and they hung him from a tree. And so we're all flawed and we need to look at the good things, the can things and not just complain. And, and my complaint is that the Americans, most of them who do the complaining about people's imperfections have never done anything positive. Most of them have only done negative things and tear down people of traditional culture and values that was built over thousands of years. How much of that do you think is, um, a symptom of the times that we live in today and the, you know, the immediate access we all have to sort of spout off on social media, you know, there are no filters anymore. You know, one time, if you wanted to spout off, you had the letter to the editor in the newspaper, and that was kind of the only opportunity you as an average everyday citizen had to weigh in. And even then you had editors that looked through those things. Now anyone can say anything about anybody online immediately post it and throw it out there uh clearly that's not a good thing but but how much of that do you think is is detrimental to uh to this american way of life well i think the more detrimental thing is the devolution of the culture over the last 50 years and the lack of civilization and and people being able to define their own truth and the moral relativism versus objective truth and a moral bedrock, if you will, that most of the citizens believed in. And to me, those are much more destructive. 
uh, people we loved and our capitalist free enterprise system has created the most prosperous country in the history of the world. Yet we have people who are tearing it down every day, wanting to create a socialist system, quote unquote, to make everyone equitable or have equity. And yet we have millions of people illegally crossing our borders to get away from those systems to get what we have. And we have people trying to get rid of what we have to give them what, what they left. And so to me, that's much more uh, interesting and much more causative of what's going on than just the social media itself. Richard Battle is our guest today as we do the show live from Times Square in New York City in the lobby of the beautiful Gallivant Hotel. And as I walk through Times Square, and you've been here many times, I'm sure, Richard, it's a cacophony of different voices and different languages, different smells of, of the street vendors and the food. And, and, you know, I think bringing all those people together is, is what makes America great. You talked a little bit uh, about uh, the issues with, with immigration. So how do you balance that out? How do we have great Americans who are from all over the world, because we are a nation of immigrants, as opposed to Americans. How do you have that delineation? Well, that's a great question. I think, yes, we are a nation of immigrants. I guess if you can figure that out, then we're off to the races, right? <laughs> we're, virtually everybody came that way. But until the last few years, very few years, most immigrants that came came legally, because we do have a legal process, and most of them were expected to pay their own way or have a sponsor that would pay their way. Whereas today we have millions of people beyond the legal immigrants who are coming illegally and they expect the government either federally, locally or statewide to provide for 98% of those people, food, clothing, housing, healthcare, education, everything. Well, it's like if you cross the border illegally and you're able to stay in the country, it's like you hit the lottery. And that's part of what's attracting people besides the quality of life and everything is they will basically be taken care of when they get here. If we eliminated that, it would not be as attractive as it is right now because it would be much more difficult for people coming and trying to provide for themselves than it would be when they hit the lottery, so to speak. So to take the, you know, the opposite tack there, uh, you know, you're, I know you're a man of faith and you talk about that in your books. Um, is it not the Christian way to help your brother, your sister when, when they fall on hard times? Well, it is, but it's kind of like putting people in a boat. You can take so many people into a boat, regardless of size, but if you put too many people into it, it's going to sink or capsize. And they've done surveys in South America about how many people would like to come to the United States and the extrapolated number is 92 million. And in the last two years, we've intercepted people from over 150 countries crossing our borders illegally. We cannot take the world's population into the U.S. and have the American taxpayer take care of every one of those people. It's just it will tip and capsize the boat. And so we have to have an organized manner to let people come in that doesn't kill the goose that laid the golden egg, so to speak, and do it in a humane way and provide either better living in their home countries or other countries they can go to. There has to be more than just one solution. The book is Made in America by Americans, not Americans. 
Richard Battle is our guest today, and you can find him online at richardbattle.com. His books are available at bookstores everywhere. He's an award-winning author and a public speaker. I want to go back to something that, that we talked about earlier in the, the context of social media um, and people, as I said, spouting off online and saying all sorts of crazy things and being derogatory towards one another. And and you reframed it as, you know, this is more a breakdown of, uh, uh, <laughs> of, of morals and ethics. So having said that, would you consider yourself a free speech guy? I mean, should people be able to go online and, and say whatever they want, no matter how damaging and hurtful it might be to someone else? Well, generally, yes, unless it's exposed to younger people. And I, I think having some restrictions for what's, for example, teaching sex education to kindergartners, to me, is, is not a free speech issue. And our culture, until the last several years, we exercise self-restraint. If you're at a ballpark watching a game, people would not be cursing and doing things because they respected the people in the seats around them and didn't want to adversely affect the young children. Well, today, the fans don't care. They say whatever they want, and they're free to say whatever they want, but that freedom can hurt other people. And it's not just when you punch somebody in the nose your rights in, but sometimes when we say things, we can hurt hurt people's futures as well. And I think whether we have the freedom or not, we need to be more cautious how we exercise our freedom. So having said that, is the genie out of the bottle? I mean, are we ever going to be able to get back to the way it was maybe just a few years ago? And to follow up on that, some would argue it was never really that way, that that's the, the leave it to beaver way that, that we remember it from television, but it was never really quite as, as pure as the driven snow. So what do you think? Can we get back there? And, and is there a, get, a there to get back to? Well, I think there is. And there's been history in the past of us being in situations similar, although I don't think we've ever gone off the rails as much as we are now. And there's been revivals and moral uh, returns, if you will. Look what happened after the Civil War. Who would have ever thought the country broken in half with 600,000 dead could ever be brought back together? And it was because people saw the bigger ideal and opportunity. And that's what has to happen and get off the selfishness that I can say whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want. I don't care what it does to anybody. And if we can get people to think bigger than themselves, and think broader term than today only, because our culture today, it's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. If it feels good, do it. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. All of these false premises that set people up in the short term, but make the longer term suffer. Richard's book, uh, Made in America by Americans, Not Americans, has, uh, if you haven't seen it, and, and by the way, you should see it, you should grab it on amazon.com or barnesnoble.com, wherever you get your books, go to your, your neighborhood bookstore, even better. Um, it has a, a picture of a, uh, an eagle, American eagle carrying an American flag. And somewhere along the way, Richard, um, and maybe I'm hypersensitive to this because I, I live in, in Washington, D.C., but somewhere along the way, the concept of patriotism has taken it on the chin a little bit you know 
I can remember as, as a young kid, every morning in elementary school, standing up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, I'm not sure that, and man, I feel like I'm a thousand years old when I say these things, but I'm not sure that, <laughs> that we're there anymore. Why is that? Why is patriotism, if not a dirty word, certainly not as revered as it once was? And as a follow-up, did it give you pause in, in putting that image on the cover of your book? Well, I love the image on the book and Made in America by Americans, not Americans. is a leadership book. It's a book about leaving a positive legacy for your family and people you contact in. It's motivational, inspirational, and it is pro-American patriotic. And I believe being patriotic exercises gratitude for the country that we've been given by not only our parents and grandparents, but those unknown millions and millions of people who've done things to build the country that we benefit from. As I talked about before, there are more people we don't know who did positive things to help our lives than people we do. Look at the people that died in just Europe in World War II, the American soldiers. And I guarantee you, they never thought they'd be fighting for a socialistic Europe. They thought they were fighting for freedom similar to America at that time. And so to me, it's about gratitude for what we've been given and being able to share that gratitude. And my mother and father were great about that, always reminded me to be grateful for what those people did to give us what we have. And when we start expressing that gratitude, then we feel a responsibility to educate our children and grandchildren and to pass that along. <clears throat> How is it in your opinion <clears throat> then that, that patriotism has, <clears throat> has become uh, less revered. Is it is that a mom and dad thing? Is that a school teacher thing? Is that a societal thing? Well, I think it's a societal thing and it's, it's nonpartisan. And I believe patriotism is nonpartisan and I'm old enough to remember when it was nonpartisan. Sure. And, but I think we have a threat right now against our country and it's a globalist threat. And there's a movement from without our country and within our country to basically make the United States just one of the 200 plus countries in the world all the same. And our country stands out, American exceptionalism, because of our prosperity and leadership and history. And that threat against that to make us like all these other countries and for people that haven't traveled around the world, you may not recognize the difference and the uniqueness of our opportunity. And to me, that's worth protecting and fighting for versus just becoming some other country from around the world. Is that a real thing, American exceptionalism? I mean, you know, people do a lot of chest pounding and uh, getting all puffed up about it. But in your opinion, is that is that a real thing? And if so, what makes America greater than any other country? Well, I think there's several things. One, there's the financial freedom and the political freedom are both indispensable together to give us liberty. You can, if you have financial freedom and not political freedom, you're not free. If you have political freedom and don't have financial freedom, you're not free. You need both. And the free enterprise system has been the engine because the incentive that each person has to become what they want to become when they want to become it and the freedom to choose what they want to do 
is unique compared to most of the world. And that's what drives people. If you have to go work a job you don't like, you're not motivated to do it as well as if you're pursuing a career in something that you love and you want to be creative and do things that have never been done before and having those dreams that you can chase because you love them. And my belief is I don't care who's running the government. You cannot make everybody equal. Uh, people can look that have more than one child. And I guarantee you, there's none of those children that are like, they're all unique. And we need to celebrate our uniqueness. Like Adam Smith said in the wealth of nations, he talked about the invisible hand and that society benefited the most when each person pursuing their individual dreams, that invisible hand contributed to the benefit of everybody because none of us have all the gifts that other people have. Richard Battle is our guest today. Visit him online at richardbattle.com. The new book, Made in America by Americans, Not Americans, published by Headline Books and available at bookstores everywhere at headlinebooks.com, Richard's website, amazon.com. It's Martin Luther King days. We record this, uh, this interview, and I'm live in Times Square, greatest melting pot perhaps in the world, uh, you know, in a nation made up of immigrants. We talked about illegal immigration. What do you think uh, an immigrant who gets here and does the work and puts the time in, and it's not easy to become an American citizen, what do you think that means to that person? Well, I think it means more than to quite a few of our natural citizens these days. Who were born into they it. Have to, they have to earn it. They have to take a test. They have to learn about the country. And then they know the difference of what's available here versus what they left. And so to me, that's different. Just like anything else, a lot of times you're given a gift. You don't respect it as much as if you earn it yourself. And every naturalized citizen I've ever talked to, I love to ask them the question, what they think about illegal immigration. And I don't care who they are, where they came from. Everyone says the same thing, that people should come legally. I've also had that same experience. Um, and I talked to our mutual friend, whose uh, uh, family immigrated from India. They just did a, a long overseas trip and, and she had a wonderful time, a holiday with her family, but but talked an awful lot about, you know, as great as Sydney was, it's not as great as the cities here. As great as the harbor is there, as great as, as the food is there, it's not as plentiful as, you know, and, and they were in Thailand and, and uh, New Zealand. So uh, in her mind, as a family that immigrated from India, there really is no place like the U.S. of A. Yes, yes. That's been lost, I think, on a lot of people that grew up here and maybe are not as well-traveled. Well, yes, and, and that's one thing I'll tell people. You can look at a video on television of any other country, and a lot of times you can see people, and they look happy, and they may be, and they look like us, and you think, well, what's the difference? Well, when you're there, you see the difference <laughs> from a political freedom standpoint and opportunity. And so much of the world, there's a disincentive for people working and pursuing their dreams. And they have to work in certain chosen fields and they're all paid the same amount of money. And so there's no incentive for them to work hard and achieve and, and build something for their families. It's just an existence every day, day in, day out. 
your book is overwhelmingly positive. And as you said, it's filled with essays about uh, great Americans and everyday Americans and, and points you in the direction of being an American. But we all know some Americans, some folks that say, ah, it's, and it's, it doesn't matter who's in, in you know, the White House. Ah, Biden's terrible. Ah, Trump's terrible. There are, you know, Americans who are down on, on everything. In, in your opinion, can you flip them? Can you turn an American into an American? Well, that's a that's a great question. I think they they break down into two camps: the ideologues who want what is being put upon us and to become a country that's the same, and they want a socialistic type society. And then I think there's others who are just ill-informed and uneducated, and those people can be educated about the history of the United States and the good things that have come and the good things have come from the people are black, white, brown, doesn't matter. They're men, women. It doesn't matter what part of the country or what field of work. There's all kinds of examples. And I have over 250 examples of people, places, and things that we can look to and say, well, that person can do it. I can try to do it and see if I can succeed like they did. You can find out all of this in the new book, Made in America by Americans, not Americans. The author is Richard Battle. He's an award winner. He's written a bunch of books now. You're up to book number nine? Nine, nine to date. All right, very good. And uh, (laughs) working on a new one for this year as well. You can find them all at richardbattle.com. As I said, we're recording the show uh, from Times Square, New York City, the beautiful Gallivant Hotel. Uh, on this Martin Luther King Day, shows post every Tuesday. Um, one last question. This book, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what's this book about? Because it's not a narrative book. How do you describe uh, Made in America by Americans, not Americans? Well, I think that's a, another great question. And, and it's also available, as most of my books are on audio and Kindle as well. <laughs> in case there you people go. don't want a hard copy. But to me, it's, it's a book to lift people's spirits, to let them know, despite the negative news and negative things that they may think are going on, there is a reason to be positive. And they individually can choose how they respond to those things and what they do going forward for themselves and their families and the people they come in contact with. And as I said, it's our responsibility to broaden our shoulders for future generations. There's a great line from an old movie that I love. And it said, the man who only speaks to one generation is already dead. The man who listens to one generation is death. And it's our responsibility, whether it's by word of mouth or books or however, to give that voice to future generations. So they will take the gift we're giving them and pass it along further down the line. And I love that. And as, as a father of a senior in high school, I can tell you, there's some really good kids out there who really want to do the right thing. And they just need a little bit of direction, a little bit of movement uh, and pointing them on, on where to go and how to do it. Made in America by Americans, not Americans, is one such place that you can send them. Hey, Richard, thanks for spending time with us today. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Always uh, glad to be with you. And God bless America. Indeed. Check out Richard Battle online at richardbattle.com. Hey, thanks to the folks here at the Gallivan Hotel in Times Square, New York City, for letting us crash for the afternoon and do our Big Time Talker podcast 
powered by speakermatch.com. I'm Burke Allen today in the Big Apple, back in studio next week. Thanks for downloading the show. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.